Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is sponsored by Terraform Development is a rising engineering design and project management company located in Flagstaff, Arizona. Co-owners Eddie Kalnemtua and Stanford Lake started the company to bring economic-related projects to rural communities like the villages of the Hopi tribe. Some of the important work done by Terraform with the Hopi tribe are Tawa Ovi Master Plan, KUII Radio Station Site Plan, Hopi Tribal Housing Authority Residential Homes, and numerous other nonprofit types projects on the Hopi tribe. Terraform can be reached at 928-864-5022. Or visit their website at www.terra4orm.com. That's T-E-R-R-A, the number four, O-R-M, dot com. You are now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. I am your host, the five-star, five-diamond chef, J-Man. And with me is the captain of uh, peculiarness, Carl. Good morning and happy Wednesday, everybody here on the Hopi Reservation. I, my name is Carl, and this is my best friend, J-Man. So we're, uh, uh, this is the season finale for season, season three, finale. Carl. Season finale. I know, right? Season finale. That is actually the best feeling of people that work on a podcast. I don't know if anybody works on a podcast out here, but working on a podcast is a lot of work. It is a lot of work and we're happy to reach this milestone of concluding season three. So technically, I guess, you know, not counting the bonus episodes, but this is uh, episode 30. Episode 30. Episode 30? Yeah. 10 10 episodes in the first season, 10 in uh, season two, and then 10 in this season. Oh my God. We have been on the air 30 times and nobody's canceled it <laughs> and nobody said you know take off that uh you know that 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 ugly guy <laughs> justin and uh <laughs> and keep the best guy on there which is the most smoothest voice around which is me that real goofy guy carl <laughs> true representation of uh tzuka. <laughs> Hey, I I have one of the most smoothest voices out there. So I really like how you're trying to change your tone to try to back that. Hey, I claim, and that's the reason why I I do it. So, <laughs> but we're here. We're we're here with the finale for season three. I think that season three went really well. I think that a lot of our topics that we touched upon on this season were pretty uh pretty good. Pretty um provocative or uh, whatever the term is for, you know, some of the conversations that uh, folks normally don't have, uh, especially on something like a podcast. And so for, you know, this, the finale for season three is a conversation that you and I have been wanting to have for quite some time, correct? Oh, yeah, there is a controversial topic. And this topic 
not everybody talks about on the reservation. I don't know why it just doesn't seem like people just don't recognize this topic. It's a conversation that oftentimes gets swept under the rug. Yeah, it, it actually does. And a lot of that has to deal with a lot of uh, emotional and mental health issues uh, that comes along with this topic here. Some trauma yeah. that might occur. And so, you know, this is a, co- a topic that we've been wanting to discuss. And I think the reason why that we haven't been able to have this conversation prior is that uh, because neither of you, neither one of us really has any experience whatsoever within this topic. And so, of course, we had to recruit some special guests to oh, talk yeah. about this conversation. Exactly. And just the fact that, you know, some uh, a note to the listeners is that we've been trying to recruit people for this conversation for a while. And it's been a very difficult task for us. But, you know, thank God we got two brave individuals here that are going to talk about uh, their experiences being a part of the LGBTQ community. Oh, yeah. The LGBTQ plus now. So the LGBTQ plus. And so, you know, that's kind of a conversation that we're going to have because, you know, I think that uh, at least today that um, a lot more of our people are coming out as uh, LGBTQ. Oh, yeah, exactly. And it it's always been that topic, that taboo topic here on the reservation, because not a lot of us uh, are mainstream and a lot of us still are stuck in 1955. <laughs> We're stuck in this fishbowl <laughs> that we've been talking about in season three. Exactly. And, you know, when you when you see that uh, television show, Leave it to Beaver, you know, the mom has the, the pearls and she vacuums in pearls and the uh-huh. The father, uh-huh. you know, works and, the, you know, has the dog and a picket fence. Yeah. That's American um, society there. That's like American dream. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Hopi is none too different with that. You know, we, we think the same way. We think of like, you know, a man has to be a man and a woman has to be a woman. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, that's going to be the conversation today for the season finale. We're going to talk about uh, that conversation with our guests. And, you know, they're going to give us the the 411 of what it's like to be Hopi, but also to be a part of this LGBTQ community and how they navigate, you know, those treacherous waters of growing up in a community that is very much still gender role oriented, that is still very much stuck, like you said, in those mentality of the 1950s. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it it was weird growing up because you never knew who was in in, in that in that situation there, especially in school, because, mm-hmm. you know, you were brought up as a boy. You play with the boys because the boys do all the boys stuff and the girls do all the girls stuff. Everything is uh, labeled specific for the genders. Yeah. Growing up as kids, boys played football. Girls didn't play football. They played Barbies and yeah, exactly. uh, volleyball. And, you know, God forbid if you're a boy and you wanted to engage in any of those activities. Yeah. If you wanted to do that, then you're made fun of like crazy because you're playing with Barbie dolls and the girls there. And then you're like, you know, uh, making fun of... Um, Uh, you know, the person there. And even within the household, too, you kind of think of some of those, uh, I guess, some of those um, family roles that uh, our our family is obligated to do. And so, like, the men, the man's man on the Hopi side is that, you know, we're hunters. Oh, yeah. We're farmers. Oh, yeah. God forbid, as a Hopi man, you ever cleaned your own house. (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. And that's weird to see. And even to this day, you know, I Soho still does the cleaning. She does the cooking. Washes the dishes. Washes the dishes. Washes my dirty lumas, you know. <laughs> Changes out your uh, Superman uh, bed sheets. <laughs> No, I do that now. Ch- so ch- changes them over to the Green Lantern ones. <laughs> no, I do that now. So uh, you know, so it doesn't have to do all of that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, but you know, it really, we really are stuck in that mode. We're stuck in that mentality where you know everything has a gender label to it. Yeah. And for most of us out here, there's only two genders. Yeah. Yeah. You're either exactly. male or you're female. Yeah. Exactly. And based on that biological difference, there's a lot of duties that's associated with it. See, when we were growing up. Um, in, in, uh, I remember in, um, Head Start, Head Start, you weren't in Head Start. I know you weren't in Head Start. Remember I got a Head Start? Yeah. You started you, in kindergarten. You, you were a late bloomer. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> but in Head Start, I remember that there was a section for boys and in the boys section, you had uh, monster trucks and you had building blocks. You had all of these different things. And in the girls section, in the in the Head Start, you had all the cookware, you had all the, the dishes and the pans and stuff. And it was to, and the dolls, and it was to teach them about like, this is your role in life here. And so I remember when I was in uh, Head Start, we used to tease the girls because they used to play house all the time. And we used to go over and because they used to take our building blocks and these building blocks, you know, they were they were made out of real wood, not like the plastic or the uh, cardboard ones now. So those but, are very valuable on the playground. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they would take that and we would get mad because those are our building blocks. <laughs> and <laughs> those so are man those are man blocks. building blocks. <laughs> and so we would go and we would tease them and we would wreck their houses because they would build houses with that. And so. <laughs> And so that's what I remember. It's like, you know, oh, they took our building blocks. No woman takes my building blocks and gets away with it. And so, you know, your, your point is a really good point in that, you know, growing up as children that we were, our, our minds were molded to thinking this way. Yeah. That, you know, that there are only men and women, female, male, and the roles that were assigned to those genders. But, you know, I guess, you know, with, with that, we really don't know a whole lot about the LGBT. LGBTQ community. Yeah, we don't. I I have no idea. A lot of res people yeah, don't. A lot of res people don't. And it's I don't know if it's just recently that people are now recognizing that group here on the reservation, but obviously it's been here in for probably for, for a lot longer a long, than we realize. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, you were born in the eighties. That's 80s were like, you know, we're a man's man and a woman's woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, some of the things, I guess, to kind of give an example of, of the lack of knowledge that a lot of us have about the LGBTQ community is that, is, is that, for example, right? Like that there's a whole list of terminology that's associated with that community. And, you know, uh, we're probably going to sound real ignorant on this episode because yeah. we don't know the differences between a lot of the terms. Because, for example, I remember back when you and I were still working together that for whatever reason, we decided that we wanted to look up the different terms that were associated with the LGBTQ, I guess a lot of the different sexual orientations. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, when you think about this topic, for most of us common res folk, we only think that there's gay and that there's lesbian. But yet there's a complete, a lot of in-betweens. 
Oh, yeah. A lot of in-betweens and a lot of these terms have uh, different meanings that, you know, there's a lot of different orientations out there. And that's something that we are, we're very unfamiliar with. So I remember that when we used to work together, that you and I and another colleague, for whatever reason, just decided to Google search these lists of terms. And, you know, for 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 uh, us being real ignorant, you know, we're kind of just sitting there looking at these terms, reading the definitions and uh, giggling like schoolboys. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, there were a lot of uh, different different sexual orientation like you know they're non-binary or in their their uh what is it all all sexuality or demisexual mm -hmm. and and we never knew about that we uh -huh. never yeah and we, and, and we didn't know about that and so you know i think that though for a lot of us especially a lot of us res folks that we probably do know somebody or even have family members now that are within uh, this community yeah because i recall that you know one of my cousins she did come out to us and told us that, you know, that she wasn't uh, straight or, or heterosexual, I think is the correct term. Yeah. But she told us that her orientation, and I can't remember what the term that she used, but basically I guess the definition is that irregardless of gender, that you're attracted to people in general. Yeah. Whether it's a man or a woman. And so for us, you know, we're like, oh, so you're bisexual. Yeah. And she was like, no, no, there, there's, there's I, I'm this term. And then so she gave us the term that, you know, I like people for, you know, doesn't matter if they're a guy or a girl. But to us, you know, our brains, we just couldn't move move in that in that direction. And so in our head, we thought, though, but you're, isn't that what bisexual, isn't that what that means? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like there there is a term called <clears throat> pansexual or omnisexual. And it's it has to deal with like the the people that do like a man and a, and a woman but is like not sexual oriented or anything like that. I know, I know I'm kind of uh, giving you like these wrong terms, but forgive me because I have no idea what all of these terms mean. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a reality for a lot of us because like, as you mentioned before with how, what the upbringings were for a lot of us as kids growing up here on the reservation that I think that, you know, because our, our minds were so fixated on this idea of only two genders and two se uh, one sexual orientation and being considered in this space of being quote unquote normal, yeah. it creates this real uh, homophobia on it, the reservation. It does. It does. It, it, it's weird because we don't know about about like the different sexual or the sexual orientations we just think about like you know oh if you're if you're gay or if you're lesbian then you must like boys or girls of the opposite sex if you're if you're either or and that's it you know that's how we were kind of just brought up and that's what television taught us and that's what television taught us and uh sweet and so, you know, you hear a lot of these derogatory terms that are associated with the LGBTQ community, you know, yeah. like using certain words like uh, queer or, you know, a, a fag, you know, unfortunately, it's yeah. being used as terms to hurt others. And, you know, as schoolboys, you know, growing up out here, that's something that we would call each other often. Exactly. When we were both growing up here on the reservation, we used to call each other about those terms like that, yeah. you know, because it was funny and people called them on TV. Uh -huh. So it must be hurtful. Yeah. So I'm sorry for all the times that I called you a fag, Carl, <laughs> back in those younger years. I didn't know any better. <laughs> And uh, I'm sorry that I smeared the queer over here. So, 
And you know, it's it's really it really I, I think that it's not just the reservation, but I think maybe, you know, um uh mankind as a whole probably is in this area because then, you know, you know, the office, right? The, yeah. the TV show The Office, I think, you know, is one a real very popular show, a show that I'm really into. And I don't know if you've ever seen the episode where Michael Scott calls um one of the office workers, he calls him a fag because oh, yeah. he liked one of the one of the uh a certain type of movie. Yeah. And then I remember him saying that, you know, I'm sorry that I called you that, but you know, back in my day, uh fag used to mean lame. Yeah. And now it means something else. Well, the the real term for fag is uh faggot, which is a bundle of sticks or bundle of smokes. Uh-huh. So, and you know, you you learned that term and I learned that term in high school and when we when we found out that the true meaning of faggot was is that oh yeah, it was it was just a, a cigarette that English people used. And it was just a derogatory term because it, you know, um, you know, people of that gender used to smoke a lot and used to do all of these different things like that. So uh, they, they were labeled as, as that term there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, you know, those are just some examples of uh, kind of some of, I guess, the negativity that folks might experience as, as a result of, you know, kind of our narrow mindedness back in those days or even still to this day. Oh yeah. And then um can you are are there any experiences that you have Carl with any uh family members or friends that were a part of this community? Well, uh for friends, you know, I did well in in high school, I know there were uh several people, several guys that would hang up and hang out in our group and we didn't know that they were they were uh part of that community, the LGBTQ community. And we didn't know that, but we treated him the same way. We treated him as like, you know, hey, let's go, you know, we we're calling each other derogatory names and stuff. And uh, later we found out that this guy, he married another guy. And plus he's not Hopi, but he's he's a Navajo. Oh, so. really? Yeah. And so we're like, oh, oh crap, you know, you know, we've been calling him the correct term. And we, we never knew that. <laughs> we never knew that. I know it sounds weird. I know it sounds, and please don't cancel us. You know, people, people out there, you know, my sisters will probably on Facebook. I know that will probably, you know, you know, chew me out. But, but, but anyway, it, it was weird because we never knew that. We never knew anything like that. Yeah, it really, it really is. It's really um, a position of ignorance where we don't know a lot of these things because, you know, I, I, I feel that, you know, at least in my experience growing up as a kid and then, you know, transitioning through all the schools that I've been to, through the day school, junior high school, high school, and then even into college that I feel like that I've treated everybody with respect as best as I could. And then it was in college where I met a lot of people that were a part of this community. And it's really from them that I kind of learned a lot of some of the, the negativity that people do experience because of how harsh the world is, of how negative people can be as a result of their own ignorance. Because I had one friend that told me that, you know, I, I, I'm gay, but I wish I was straight. Yeah. So that I could be in this quote unquote space of being normal. But he told me, he said, but I can't help it. I'm attracted to men. And, you know, I want to be attracted to women, but you know, this is, this is, this is my reality. And so I have to live life this way. And so, you know, it really was through him and the conversations that I had through him that, you know, like, like that, you know, that a lot of us have these, um, make this makeup within our DNA that we just can't help. 
as into how we are and how we carry ourselves. Exactly. Before we move on, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break for our sponsor here. Strong Ones is dedicated to exposing cultural traditions of running that exist within many cultures and tribes worldwide through running apparel. Strong Ones is an individually owned business supporting cultural running traditions and supporting local organizations within the Hopi Reservation. They can be found at strongones.myshopify.com. Again, that's strongones.myshopify.com. They are also on Facebook at strongones15. All right. And we're back. And so I think right now is a good time to bring in our special guests. We got two special guests. Uh, This is probably the first time that we've been able to do this. And, you know, we'd like to welcome Nisha and Eric to the podcast. All right. Nisha and Eric. Are you guys there? Yes, I'm here. Awesome. Awesome. And so Nisha, Eric, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. I I know that um, it's something like we mentioned before that we've been wanting to do for a while. And we've had such difficulties in recruiting somebody to be able to speak on this topic. But, you know, before we go any further, uh, Nisha, if you want to introduce yourself to to the podcast world. Uh, I'm Nisha Hanani. I'm Hopi. I live, well, obviously, but (laughs) I live out in California. Um, I've been here for a good chunk of change. Awesome. California girl. (laughs) Eric, introduce yourself to our audience. Um, My name is Eric Loma Hepsua. I'm from the village of Lower Monkopi, and yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show here, guys. Welcome to the podcast. And so you guys have heard this conversation that we've been having so far. Uh, two guys that really don't know a whole lot. or uh, Some would probably argue two guys that really don't know anything. And so, you know, you're here to to help educate us and, and you know, help educate our audience to your experiences. A lot of the different things that you've experienced. And so, uh, uh, and so both of you have grown up on the reservation, correct? Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, I actually grew up a good part of my teenage years in Zuni. Oh, no kidding. All right. Oh, wow. Awesome. (laughs) Okay. So uh, let's start with Nisha. Nisha, can you tell us uh, what some of the experiences that you had on the reservation kind of describe to us, you know, what what your life was like, um, I guess, kind of being being Hopi and then also being a part of uh, the LGBTQ community? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I think it's changed a lot by comparison. I was in the, like, you know, my teenage years is really where I came around, uh, that I came out, I guess, or I don't even know what it was, but um, it's just been a natural progression, you know, since I was a kid. It was just, you know, just a natural progression for me and anything that I tried to go like, you know, be like, quote unquote, straight world, it just developed into, it was just wasn't matching. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I can, I, you know, I came up in high school in the 90s and in Zuni and so uh we weren't quite where we're at today I'm actually kind of jealous of the younger generation in some aspect because there's so much more information out there yeah <laughs> but uh, in in in, the, in my time in the 90s it was um there was still a lot of violence towards um and, and not to talk about I you know Zuni is like probably this you know, close to my, as close to my heart as Hopi. So it's not anything bad on the community or anything. It's just that, you know, information out there and just that, you know, like you said, like that thinking existed everywhere and on reservations. So, you know, there was a lot of, I had to fight a lot and, you know, I, 
got jumped a lot. Oh, but, really? Um, it, it, yeah, I got jumped a lot. And, you know, I remember getting jumped one time and I just was thinking. And, you know, and, and I didn't know what else to do because I just tend to be like, um, I, I, you know, and it, it, I always, it doesn't matter. I was somehow, and I just kind of remember telling these people, I'm like, I don't know, you're kind of wasting your time because you can, you know, jump me a hundred times. There's nothing I can do to change this. So, oh. wow. <laughs> you know, we're just going to keep doing it. <laughs> wow. That's quite, that's quite an experience, Nisha, and thank you so much for sharing that with us. And so, Eric, I think that, you know, one of the things that we uh, haven't disclosed, but, you know, we're, we're related to each other, that we're related by clan. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> we're related to each other. I know, I'm related to this guy, too, so he's my dad. And and, and because, you know, we, we are the same clan that, you know, technically that, you, you know, you're my brother, but, you know, because of where your position is, that sometimes we call you sister. And and so if you can kind of talk about, you know, your upbringings and then even, you know, I guess your your acceptance level with uh, something like that, where instead of us calling you brother, that sometimes we call you sister. Um, I think like growing up, it is like how you described everything uh, kind of back in the 1950s. Yeah. Just because everything is very uh, gender specific and only a male and female. And I think that's kind of the reason why I never came out while I was growing up, just because I already knew what my role was as a, a Hopi boy, uh, as far as like going to the kiva and to the fields and, and having no male figure in our household growing up. Like, you know, my dads weren't there. So I kind of had to like do everything on my own. And um, a lot of the men in the kiva kind of like helped me along the way because I would just sit there kind of stuck and confused. And they would come up to me and be like, uh, what are you trying to do? And they would offer their help. And so it was more on that part of being Hopi that I had to learn to do things on my own. And, and I realized at a point that I was the only the male in my family that was doing a lot of stuff until everybody else came back and everybody else kind of got older. But it was very specific and um, kind of still is today. Like I live uh, mostly with my soul Lorraine and she's very uh, conservative. Um, there's things I don't talk to her about. <laughs> about like you know oh i had a boyfriend or something like that because i know it was like she would sit there and look at me <laughs> but yeah i know she knows that i'm gay and i know she loves me but we just don't talk about it yeah it is weird how like different families uh have this have actually the similar similar thing that what you're going through is that yeah there are a lot of people that have um a person that is gay or lesbian or any th any type of uh, sexual orientation like that, but yet they know about it, but they don't talk about it, and it, it it's just it just kind of brushes underneath the rug, and we just kind of forget about it, kind of like. Mm -hmm. I think that that's very true. And so, Nisha, if you can share any experiences or you know, kind of the mindset that you had, kind of doing the same thing, understanding what the female roles are within Hopi, and then maybe even even within Zuni too, because I'm pretty sure that they're very parallel. I think more in Hopi, just because that's where I'm more participated in everything. And um, anybody will tell you, like any of my family will tell you, like to get me in a dress is a fight. 
<laughs> I will to the bitter end still, even today. And uh, I've kind of, you know, growing older, my arguments have gotten a little bit more smarter. <laughs> I'm usually like, you know, I'm doing you a favor. Have you seen what I can do to address? Like, it just looks weird. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit broader in the shoulders. So I was, you know, whenever I try to put a dress on, it just, it doesn't fit. It never fits. And I've even ripped one. So well, uh, I always, not- you know, and I never, I don't have my own. I always have to borrow my sister's, but. Getting older now, it's just been, um, I kind of had to like realize that um, for, you know, for me, it's just, I just had to accept like there are roles that just, I can't, I can't change them. You know, I kind of have to accept these, these, these gender roles as they are, because I mean, that's what's been keeping us going. I think I'm pretty loyal to our um, tradition. Yeah. And uh, so it's kind of like when I come home, you know, in everyday life, I live, how I am, you know, I'm I'm very much more, um, you know, wear hats and those types of things, you know, cross those lines. Um, And it's kind of like one of those things where, you you know, you kind of have to, for the better, something better than outside of yourself, I have to kind of accept those traditional roles and stuff. But growing up and hearing the the binary language Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, this is male, this is female, you know, and, and, but, you know, the, Oh, it just grates my time every time because you know when I hear people say, "Well, you're a girl, you do this, and you're a boy, you do this," and and uh, you know, and and I just you know remembering growing up and hearing that, it just you know, there's moments where it just killed my spirit because it didn't match, and I and people didn't know what I was feeling or you know what I was going through, and so then you have people be like, "You're a girl, you do this," and you're you're you know, and hear all these things, and it was just kind of like it killed your spirit a little. <laughs> but yeah. as I got older, I think it's become more of a, you know, more, how can I, you know, continue with the traditions? Cause they're very important. And, and at the same time, without like completely like going against how I feel, but you know, there's really not a lot of room for that. I, I think sometimes just because, you know, I, you know, there's a reason why they last for a long time, but you know, there's also outside influences. So to me, it's been more of, you know, these are, I, I want to participate and I want to be, it's very more important now with, you know, having nieces and nephews and just really um, appreciating those binary aspects, but at the same time realizing like, you know, there is myself that I can live by. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I, I, it's, that's, uh, I guess a, a learning experience, even for me just to hear that. Yeah. Because, you know, we, um, Carl, well, I, at least I can speak for myself that growing up and we did mention this in the introduction that, you know, we did really follow those lines that were set out for us in terms of, you know, gender specific male and female. So, you know, growing up male on the Hopi reservation that I did participate in all of the, the male specific activities and then, you know, getting older and then, you know, moving up into our, our Hopi society, participating in ceremony and, you know, specifically doing those things that are normally uh, relevant delegated towards the male. And so, you know, for folks like us, that this is a lot of uh, conversation that you're probably hearing for the very first time. Oh, yeah, it is. And, you know, I speaking with Justin, you know, we we are we are male male kind of like and we we do things on the male side. And, uh, you know, we go to the Kiva, we go through all of these ceremonies that uh, Hopi male has to do. And we do it all. 
and we, we just don't we don't we don't think about um, what it is to be like a female or what what their what mm-hmm. their female roles are. So we just say that you know that's the woman's work there. This is the man's work mm-hmm. here. Although Carl does spend hours and hours online, so I don't know how much of a man's man that he is. <laughs> I'm playing games. I'm playing games, okay? That's the man's man's work there. <laughs> but I, I guess, you know, I, in, in, um, in, in your both of your experiences and experiencing the, the things that you all have experienced, I know that, you know, um, one thing that uh, a person needs to get through life is to have a strong support system. And so, you know, Nisha, starting with you, um, can, can you describe to us what support system that you had in place, whether that were friends or family or, you know, others that might have helped you to kind of get through some of these difficult times that you've experienced? I'm, I'm really grateful. I mean, I just, I think one of the aspects was I'm just, uh, I've naturally just been really resourceful. <laughs> so, you know, if, if there's something that I need I, and it's not filled, I always tend to just kind of go and look for it and uh, fill that, that, that uh, space. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, coming to California, I, I came out here by the way of, by way of Navy and stuff like that. So, and I just came out here and, you know, um, I really liked it out here, but also I think it allowed me to kind of live a little bit more naturally how I, I saw myself. Um, and so, you know, out here, you know, younger, I kind of, I'm kind of one of those people that when I have these experiences, I try to think of how I can make them um, helpful. And so growing up in Zuni and growing up Hopi and growing up out in, you know, having my uh, coming out story or, you know, my coming out experiences. I try to turn that into like volunteering for, uh, to help other youth out here in San Diego. And so I was actually part of finding one of the youth support systems in San Diego oh, uh, awesome. for people that were coming out. We literally used to have like teenagers just get dumped on our doorstep and be like, uh, they just came out to me. Um, we saw your thing. Can you, so, can you- and then, but, and then as I got older, there's actually a community out here. Um, I, I, that I, I, uh, you know, I go to every now and then, like I have family, like in, um, I guess, adopted family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's called three arrows, three, three arrows community. And it basically addresses, because I think one of the problems is that when you come out, it's, you have a whole bunch of other things that you have to deal with. And it's like, you know, when you come out, you know, now you have to go to a club or you have to be, you know, in this mainstream, like go to a club, but there's actually for natives, like, even though we come out, that doesn't mean that we're not wanting to be traditional and be native. And so Three Arrows was kind of this option, this alternative option to be like, you don't have to build a club if you're gay or whatever like that. If you want to be traditional and be spiritual, like you can still do that. And so Three Arrows kind of offered that opportunity to like participate in spiritual things as your authentic self. So, and that's the first time I ever got to experience like these um, this community that was like, if you're transgender, you're non-binary, all of this stuff doesn't leave you without, you You don't have to not participate in your traditional native spirituality ways, spiritual ways or whatever. You can do that as your role. And that to see that um, is really what opened my eyes in accepting my traditional roles in Hopi. I mean, that was the major point. Wow. And so um, you know, that's, I stay connected and, you know, I'm older now, so I just, you know, you help these younger kids, and it's pretty amazing to see that type of thing. And that's just based on my experience where I just had to find those resources and 
you know, I got to see, turn my eyes back to Hopi when I come home to Hopi to realize that like our, our traditional support system, like the interesting thing is that despite who I am or how I am, I, you know, my aunt still love me. My uncle still get mad at me like everybody other, every other person, you know, and it's just our traditional values. Like one of the greatest things is that, you know, we don't throw our family away. We don't throw our people away. Yeah. And I think that's something that is so beneficial and so strong because regardless of whether I'm out or I get married or I'm this way or that way, there's always that value. Like my family in Hopi has never really rejected me or treated me different. Sure. There's jokes, but you know, you kind of, you have to understand that those are, that's just um, where we're at, you know, that's the information, but it's gotten better to where, you know, it's, I see a lot more and I'm always like amazed. I'm like, wow. I'm like, they're so lucky. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. That's great. That That's, that's such a, a, a great story. The fact that, you know, you set up a space to help others out that experience something similar that you did. And I, I think that's really that's really wonderful. And so, Eric, if you so, can... Before we get on, let's we're going to go ahead and take a quick break for our second sponsor here. This paid sponsorship was paid for by Justin Villarreal. Hey, Tom here with Hopi Relief. Hopi Relief is a nonprofit organization based down here in the Valley where we are providing much-needed supplies to the Hopi Reservation during this COVID-19 pandemic and beyond. Please visit HopiRelief.org and find out how you can get involved. Hopi Relief is also an Arizona-recognized charitable tax organization. And please visit us December 1st on Giving Tuesday. Thank you. And we're back. And so, uh, Eric, if you can share with us any type of support systems that you had growing up and um, how that helped you to to get through some of uh, these difficulties that you might have experienced. Well, like I said, like bullying was always there for me growing up. one of my main support systems um, would be one of my closest friends, um, Bati. <laughs> uh, him and I would always constantly uh, uh, have people try to jump us or, you know, say jokes behind our back. And it wasn't until one time I was walking home and I saw Bati getting jumped and I ran over there immediately trying to help. And, you know, he's all fighting three dudes at once. And then, they take off and then he's all walking away, busted nose and hair all messy. And he was getting mad at me. And I said, well, why are you getting mad at me? He goes, you need to learn how to fight. You need to learn how to stand up for yourself. You need to learn how to um, not take this kind of crap from people. And so he's the one that more helped me get through a lot of moments in my life where I was bullied and I did stand up for myself. And then a lot of my support system didn't come until I went to college and I was in a whole different uh, world with different people, different backgrounds, um, uh, different uh, sexualities and stuff like that. And um, I met a lot of amazing people in my college years who did help me learn to help me love and accept everything that I went through and that, you know, it's all in the past. Uh, don't dwell on it. Um, be able to go forward and accept that, you know, things are just the way that they are. But at the same time, if you're going to allow that to um, stick with you, then, you know, you're, you're going to be stuck in that position 
of regret and all the emotions that come with it, you know, growing up with um, being gay. So I still have a lot of friends now that are gay and, you know, I keep in close contact with them because like we're our own little community. Uh, we help each other. Um, we reach out to each other. It might not be on the daily, but you know, if I need someone to talk to someone that I know that can understand me on that level, I'll give them a phone call and we'll catch up, have our conversation and let it all out and have um, a good talk and they'll give me some good advice and tell me what to do next. And there's not those kind of friends that I have here on the res. Yeah, I have friends and family, but it's not like the same kind of conversation that I can have with them versus the people that actually know what I'm going through. Wow, that is, that is a great story. And it is it just kind of uh, solidifies that that Hopis out here are are not knowledgeable about you know, that community out there. And we, we still think we do have that huge mindset, that huge mentality of the 1950s, where if you're not, if you're not like us, and if you don't dress like us, you, you're not like us here. And it it's, it's, I, I don't, I, I never knew that, that the, you know, the LGBTQ community was going through a lot of this kind of uh, situation, especially here on the Hopi reservation. Mm -hmm. For sure. That definitely does go on. And so thank you for sharing that with us, Eric. And so Eric, can you tell the fine folks at home what uh, amazing university that you went to school at? Uh, I'm an alumni from Arizona State University. Yeah. You know what? Uh, <laughs> Fork, forks up. My ace just, uh, seems to produce some extraordinary individuals. And so, but you know, it's, it's uh, interesting that you brought up uh, Bati because Bati is somebody that I also know. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, that, that um, the, kind of the story that you told us was kind of in a, a window into, I guess, seeing what your life is like from a person like myself, because I really wasn't aware of a lot of this either. And um, the res famous wife, uh, she did used to work at uh, the, the local high school out here, Hopi Junior Senior High School. And she did tell me this a story one time about about Bati and the fact that, you know, the fact that he was gay that he did receive a lot of, you know, um, was, was terrorized a lot by individuals and told me one time that one person did try to mess with him. But uh, she always told me, but it was interesting because he must, uh, the, the Rez famous wife was telling me, she said, he must get this a lot because this guy really tried to flex on him and try to, you know, make him feel bad about who he was. But then Bati just went and uh, kicked this guy's ass. And so, you know, that <laughs> just, just, <Sounds> about right. <laughs> and just, you know, speaking to, to the advice that he gave you that, you know, that, and, you know, with Nisha's story too, that, you know, this is something that a lot of you, uh, a lot of people have experienced. And so, um, Eric, I, I have a specific, uh, I guess, kind of a question or at least uh, something to kind of point your way. Cause this is something that Carl and I have talked about before, off air that you know the fact that you know Hopis we do are still very big in ceremony that we still have our dances and you mentioned that going to the kiva is something that you've done in your earlier years because you know a lot of us guys out here you know we like to think of ourselves as quote unquote man's men or men, men's men yeah and, and and then you know uh, somebody like yourself going to the kiva what has been your experience in dealing with other males from the village and within the Kiva? Are, are they pretty uh, 
respectful towards you when you're doing ceremony? Um, I would say the older folks, like the dads and the, the grandpas mainly because they know there's a level of respect once you go down there. But growing up, it was always people my age. People always like saying things or making jokes or just being bullies in general. But I was always taught like, you know, don't go down to the Kiva with that kind of mentality. And even though they would say something that would make me mad or trying to get me uh, some right, uh, some sort of reaction out of me, I kind of just like deflected it. Like, you know, there's a time and place for that. Just not here. Don't bring that kind of energy down here. And then now that as I'm older, it's kind of like based on how they're a reflection of their own family. And so if their family never taught them those kind of things, then, you know, I felt kind of felt sorry for them now that as I'm older, but, you know, I, you know, I did have struggles here and there, but, you know, I still survived. I still managed and, um, I don't go down as often as I used to. Uh, but like, again, like Bati, uh, knowing Bati, he's on a whole different spectrum. Like he's very, very feminine. He wears makeup. Uh, he likes wearing jewelry. Uh, his hair is always done up. Uh, but when he goes to the Kiva, I freak out on him because he's like a man. He's like a dude. <laughs> so I'm like, and I think that's kind of like, you know what I'm talking about, Sita, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's a conversation yeah. that Carl and I have had before because then, you know, like with, and I think that's kind of the difference uh, for between the male and female experience in regards to Hopi culture and ceremony that when we do have uh, dances, we call them dances out here, but, you know, Native America refers to it as ceremony, that usually it's the men that are mostly participating in the give yeah, us and, involved, ca- yeah. and carrying out a, a bulk of what goes on in regards to ceremony and in our last episode when we kind of were talking about the um I, I guess the the demand of what our ceremonies asks of the male that because it demands so much time that you spend a lot of time with other males from your village specifically from your kiva that it does develop this camaraderie that you are brothers in arms and you know going into ceremony and you know uniting your hearts and it was a conversation that carl and i had that you know even though outside the kiva that a lot of us might be ignorant or homophobic but then when there is somebody that we know is gay and then they come into the kiva that for the most part, you're respectful towards them because they're, you know, once they enter into this space of ceremony that they really do become your brother in arms. Yeah. Just like everybody else. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, going off of him, it's like, you know, do we... I know that are, there are several uh, men that are, are in that situation that are uh, part of that community, but yet we give them that, that respect because... It's a Hopi thing to do. It's a Hopi man's thing to do. I mean, if you're a Hopi man, you 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 do all of these things here, and and you're you're not you're not questioned on whether your sexuality is is part of it. So we we as as men down in the kiva, we just sort of just brush it off and say that okay, if you want to do all of these things, at least do it in the correct way of how Hopi Hopi has taught us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you know. Uh, Pati, if you're out there, if you're listening to this, you know, you're my brother in arms. So 
that's the respect that we we have for one another. Um, but uh, another question, Anisha, you kind of talked about this a little bit and, and, you know, what you helped to set up out in California. But and you kind of touched on it a little bit more in the fact that maybe, you know, our societies are becoming a little bit more, quote unquote, woke to some of these topics and, you know, understanding a little bit more about uh, the differences in community and the type of people that we are. But what's what might be some suggestions that you have or, you know, even from your own experience in being uh, helping to create Hopi to be more supportive and to be a more accepting community moving forward? Um, I think I think one thing that uh, I just was learning, you know, being out here and, you know, participating in a community that's out here is, you know, it's, and I, I, I can tell you from like everything I've heard and everything I've seen in terms of other natives um, from different tribes, it's just making room for them, making a space for them, you know? Um, and I think that when I participated in, you know, cause you know, I, you know, I go to like the prayer ceremonies and different things. I've always been like really open to other mm-hmm. thinking. I mean, Hopi is Hopi that, and that's who I am. And that's it's just my life. It's not even a religion or anything like that. That's just where I'm at. Um, but, you know, in order to maintain my spirituality, you know, my spiritual health, you know, it's a California thing, <laughs> spiritual mm-hmm. health. Um, I, um, when I go to these, you know, these prayer ceremonies and things like that, and I see these, you know, we're including our, each other and we're having this community, it feels amazing because it's just like, this is what I want. I just want to be included. And so, you know, going back to Hopi, it allows me to, you know, you know, with, with that, having that experience, I go to Hopi and I go home and um, instead of me trying to stand on the sidelines and look at it as a, you know, I don't fit that, so I can't be in that space. I don't fit that space, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to even step in. Instead of standing on the sidelines, it's kind of, I have to put myself in there, but it's so much more nicer when there's room for you, when you make room for people that you know are on the outskirts that are you know i you know you can see that they're you know whatever lgbtq whatever but just making space for them and not blinking an eye like that's just amazing just make room for them and i think that's one of the things that is so important um and you know and i don't know i can't say that every person wants to be asked questions um you know for me it's just i've always been an open book and I don't offer a lot of information unless they ask me, but, you know, it's, it's, but I think the starting point is definitely making room and being inclusive and, and um, allowing that to happen. It's really important. That's a really great point. That's a really great point. Making space for everybody out there and the fact that, you know, it's not all uniform anymore. No, it's not. You know, that we all have different, um, I guess we have all, we, we're, we're all different. Oh yeah. Yeah. We are all different. And you know, it's, it's weird because Solon never taught us about this type of thing, this type of situation like that. And our family members, you know, we never knew about uh, what, what, what it means to be a part of like that LGBTQ community because Solon is a woman's woman. You know, she, she was brought up in the 1950s. She's a leave it to beaver mother. Mm Mm-hmm. 
you know, she she vacuums with uh, her um, her her turquoise necklace on <laughs> instead of those white pearls. Instead of the white pearls, you know, and, and you know, Gua he still does chops the wood, and you know, he's you know, it's it's just part of like how a man's supposed to do things and a woman is supposed to do things. Mm-hmm. That that's very true. And so, um, Eric, what what are what are your thoughts on um, or suggestions in thinking about the future? The fact that you know probably a lot more of our kids moving forward will you know experience a lot of of what you both have experienced into making our homes so much more accepting of our people. I think uh, it starts with conversation and um, having this kind of dialogue on this topic on your podcast is a step forward. Uh, a lot of people don't like to talk about this topic because, you know, it may make them feel uncomfortable or something that they just don't want to deal with right up front or and even not understanding and not knowing how to respond to this kind of conversation we're having right now. But I mean, so far, you know, you guys don't know anything about it. Um, oh, no. Through my experience and Naisha's experience, we're just two people of many more people that are going through this or have gone through this. And, you know, uh, we can shed some light. It can um, give people a different perspective and understanding that, you know, it's not all uncomfortable, I guess. So, so Nisha, do you have any words of advice before we uh, start heading out here? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I don't know. To me, I have to do a quick solo brag. Um, my solo is a don't very... Uh, Carl does it all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do a solo brag because I, I think she's amazing. Um, she's very inclusive. And I think she's, you know, she's always supportive of us. And she's just gone out of her way in the past years to just recognize her grandkids and, you know, and, and, you know, themselves and stuff. And so, I mean, I think it's amazing and I don't think that there's anybody above, you know, or that can't, whether they're in the fifties or not, they can't like not, and, you know, not, uh, you know, change views or see something in a different light in a more positive light and being more inclusive because my soul does it like, like amazing, <laughs> you know, and I, and I do see, I do see a lot of people out in Hopi that are traditional. And I think they've been my, my, uh, my, um, kind of my point of, I really admire them and, and they're inspired in, in where they are part of the LGBTQ community, but they're very active in their traditional ways. And that's been where that's, that's been so inspirational to me because, um, you know, just being like, I can be traditional and I can be LGBTQ. It doesn't cancel me out. And so for people that are looking, um, that are looking for support, like you can find it, you know, and to, uh, just be visible and to people that are wondering what's the, what can I do to help? Uh, probably first is to just be inclusive and realize that everybody is different. You know, everybody's got a different makeup and different thing. And, you know, um, the, the whole conversation about LGBTQ and sexual orientation and gender, um, the more you find out about it, the more you learn, it really helps you to just, I mean, in a sense, be more hopey, you know, yeah. um, and understand everybody has a purpose. And so, you know, I think everybody's important how they are and, so just including each other and, you know, I think if you go down to the core values of Hopi, you'll realize that it's, we're not, and we just had outside influences that told us certain things are wrong. But if you go to the core of Hopi traditions and beliefs, 
you realize, no, we're actually way farther than that. <laughs> well, that's that's good. That's a great point. So Very great point. So, Eric, do you have any uh, words of advice before we start heading off? You want to tell the listeners how great of a brother I am to you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to leave on a note that it does get better. I know there's a lot of people out there dealing with their own circumstances um, alone or with support. Uh, for me right now, um, I've been offered a job in New York City you know, with uh, fashion uh, with my friend Alexander Acosta and his husband, Michael Hodgson. And, you know, you do have a community out there. You do have support. Um, it may be a struggle now or it may have been a struggle growing up, but don't lose sight on things because um, the outcome always comes out better as long as you stay grounded and stay true to yourself and um, learn to love yourself. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for all those inspirational stories and wisdom of words, because both J-Man and I, we we really don't have a huge grasp on this new concept. I, although it's not new, but it is still so new in the community here in, on Hopi Reservation. Definitely. And, you know, for especially for somebody like me, that's a parent, you know, I'm a father and, you know, the the potential of, you know, having this within my own home is something that you do think about. So, you know, Nisha and Eric, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. And congratulations, Eric, on that uh, job opportunity. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. The Res Famous Wife will be happy to hear that, that you'll be potentially providing more hookups for some of that designer wear that you used to do for her so many years ago. And so, you know, thank you guys for, for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. And so, you know, with thank that, you. Oh, definitely. And so with that, you know, we're ready to close out the uh, season three. And whereas we transition into season four, before we do that, we definitely like to give some shout outs to some people that were very, uh, helpful to us in oh, establishing yeah. the position that we have last week we announced that we reached 20,000 downloads which is something that's very remarkable we didn't know that that was something that we, we would be able to do so big shout out to our season three sponsors terraform development individual shout outs to stanford lake and eddie kel nimtua bit to you guys shout out to strong ones to the res famous wife uh, wendy lewis and then a shout out to our boy justin villarreal and the shout outs can Continue to our 30-pack sponsors. Big shout-outs again to Michelle Holden, to Rachel Reinhardt, Noel Oyahoma, Joyce Hamilton, Millard Gawanyama, Gary Lomayesva, and Liera Thompson. You guys have kept the party going, and then you've also helped us to branch out and to establish more content through our YouTube. Yeah, thank you, everybody who has donated or sponsored us through the this year or last year and continues to sponsor us through uh next this year mm -hmm. i'm kind of confused on the years now so <laughs> I, i'm still thinking that it's 2020 i think your brain's still trying to process all of this, <laughs> but, uh, exactly. this knowledge that we just learned today also i want to thank everybody that has bought us a cup of coffee all the people who have bought us cup of coffees that actually does help us even though it's just one cup of coffee you know that actually does go a long way so if you find a link on our website or our um our Facebook page or Twitter page, uh, please hit, uh, you know, buymeacoffee.com slash CJ podcast. And it, you know, it helps us a lot. 
And then even though we're transitioning and, you know, we usually take this little break between seasons that we actually won't be taking a break this time. Uh, yeah, we won't be taking a break. Because we'll be working on this YouTube series called Aspidies Guys. Yeah, exactly. So look out for that next week or so uh, because that will probably be the debut of Aspidies Guys on YouTube. And so if you're not following us on YouTube, you make sure you want to go on to YouTube.com and find us at Carl and J-Man. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the likes on any of the videos that are available to you all through there. And then also, too, if you're not following us on social media, look out for us on Facebook at Carl and J-Man. We're also on Instagram at Carl and J-Man underscore podcast and on Twitter at Carl and J-Man. Exactly. Thank you again for listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. My name is Carl and this is my best friend, J-Man. So long, quack, quack. <laughs>